there, everyone. This is your host, Dr. V, welcoming you to Aspire Pre-Med, the podcast about the paths to med school. Today, we're embarking on part two of our series in which we look at some of the things one can do with an MD. If you missed last week's part one episode, please check it out because we covered a lot of ground together. In brief, we reviewed some of the more, I guess, uh, conventional or common things you can do with an MD. We went over a variety of interesting fields and subspecialties, and we reviewed different models of medicine like academia, private practice, and so on. My hope is that part one gave you some actionable ideas to guide you in choosing your clinical and shadowing experiences. As I said, we're exposed to a lot in med school, but by no means are we going to come close to seeing it all. So getting a taste of different fields now can really open your eyes and might even open some doors. That is to say, all of this may play a big role in what you ultimately decide to pursue. So in our last episode, I mainly focused on clinical medicine, in which physicians are delivering care for patients. There wasn't enough time to cover all of that, and honestly, we can dedicate entire episodes to each of these individually. But I wanted to review some other unique paths in clinical medicine that you might be inspired to explore. Example number one is global health. Some students get exposure to global health programs while in med school, but there seem to be many opportunities to delve into this in residency, when one might be able to do a rotation internationally in an underserved area. I know some people who did this, either for a month or so in residency or as attendings for a much longer period of time, and those experiences influence their practice to this day. If you're interested in this, you could potentially incorporate global health into your career in different ways. For example, I've worked with physicians who practice primarily in the U.S., but they have a relationship with a program overseas and go over there once or twice a year to do a medical mission. That's one possibility. Another option is to really make a career out of global health. Working for an organization like Doctors Without Borders, playing a role in humanitarian missions on the front lines. Now, global health is not for everyone. There are risks, of course, but there are a lot of options that will push you as a physician and enable you to really help some of the most vulnerable people in the world. If you want to stay in the U.S. but would like to help people in underserved areas, consider learning more about rural medicine. Some of these areas are so remote, and you may be the only physician for miles. The communities there would really depend on you. In some cases, you may have to think creatively with limited resources and consult subspecialists from out of state. There's a real need for doctors here, and again, the people I know who have taken this path all say that it accelerated their growth as physicians. If, on the other hand, you really want to stay close to an urban center and are interested in helping the underserved, there are so many opportunities to share your gifts and deliver care to the more vulnerable populations of a city. Many of the options I just described also might have options for some kind of med school loan forgiveness, depending on what you do. Another unique road to take in clinical practice is military medicine, in which your path to becoming a physician may involve a commitment to active duty. There also may be loan or tuition forgiveness options through this. There are a couple of different paths you could take to become a military doctor, and to give you some examples, if you're interested in learning more, you can read about the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences as one possible path, or the Health Professions Scholarship Program as another. Anyway, between this episode and the last, I hope I gave you a sense of the variety of things you can do with an MD when practicing clinical medicine. 
No matter what one chooses, it will have its unique challenges and rewards. So now, let's think about the less common or less conventional paths one can take with an MD. That is, non-clinical careers. I really had no idea that these existed when I was in your shoes. I think the first time it occurred to me that there were non-clinical options was in residency, when I learned about someone who chose to work for a management consulting firm straight out of training. Keep in mind that some people have chosen these non-clinical paths as their sole endeavor, while others have chosen to pursue a combination of clinical and non-clinical activities at the same time. In these non-clinical jobs, some physicians are employees, some are entrepreneurs working as their own boss, or some are freelance workers. It's important to note that many of these non-clinical options require that you have at least a few years of clinical practice under your belt after you finished residency. The thought behind that is likely that you'll draw upon this experience in your non-clinical work. You may also require additional training or degrees specific to what you want to pursue, though not always. So without further ado, I'd like to give you some examples of non-clinical careers for physicians. The first thing that comes to mind are opportunities in the pharmaceutical industry, working on things like drug and vaccine development. Depending on the specific role, it may be necessary to have some research experience under your belt. Another example, if you're interested in healthcare systems, you may want to learn more about hospital administration. I suspect that it would be invaluable to have that clinical experience and background when one is managing the bigger picture. Another non-clinical option is medical writing. You have to be okay with working by yourself for long periods of time, but some people really love that. This may involve freelance work in which you work with clients, building a reputation over time, or you may work for an employer. And essentially, what you do in that job as a medical writer is produce literature that's medical or scientific in nature, and that could involve a variety of things. For instance, journal manuscripts or content for healthcare websites. You would have to know how to interpret data and research findings and know how to adapt them to very different audiences. It goes without saying that you must be a great writer for this job and should have a strong fund of knowledge when it comes to both the clinical and research worlds. Another example of a non-clinical career can potentially involve work in medical education, with things like CME development. CME stands for Continuing Medical Education, which is very much part of the lifelong learning process one commits to as a physician. Other non-clinical careers can involve healthcare policy if you're interested in government work, or you could consider a job as a physician coach, in which you help other doctors navigate their careers. I think you get the idea that the scope of this non-clinical path is huge. From the business world, to the legal world, to policy, to education, to media, there are so many options. If you're curious to learn more about this world, there are some great podcasts out there in which people actually interview physicians who have taken these paths. Some of these doctors are really pioneers, carving out unique roles for themselves. And remember, it still might be possible to keep your foot in the door in the clinical world too. Now, my hunch is that most of the things I described in this episode are much less common than the paths you heard about in part one of this series. I feel like since the time I was in your shoes, there's been a little bit of a culture change, at least at the stage after training. Um, basically, it seems that non-clinical careers are gaining some popularity, a little bit, and there are many reasons for this. I think in part, this may be in response to some degree of physician burnout, and this may be a way to find that balance. 
When I talk about these non-clinical jobs, I'm very much speaking from the perspective of someone who's finished training some years ago. And I really don't know if this little culture shift is noticeable in the spheres of the pre-med, med school, and residency worlds. To be honest, I'm not entirely sure how some of these options are perceived or received in those worlds. But the point of this episode is simply to make you aware that these things exist. I wanted to put this stuff out there so you can be inspired to learn more about the variety of possibilities. There are so many exciting options, and some of them may be a really good fit for you, whether clinical or research or non-clinical or a combination. You could do really great things in this world, helping people in so many different ways, and you could do it in a way that allows you to find balance in your life and that speaks to your strengths. I'm not advocating for a particular approach here, but I'm here to encourage you if any of these ideas from this episode and the last one sound even a little bit cool, to go and explore. Now's your chance. Anyway, thank you for joining me. If you're getting something out of the Aspire Pre-Med podcast, I'm really happy to know that. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend, share an episode, and spread the love. Finally, I'd really love to know your thoughts on what one can do with an MD and some of the things that you've been considering. Reach out at aspirepremed at gmail.com or send a message at aspire.premed.podcast. And that's on Instagram. Anyway, I hope you have a great day, everyone. I'll see you next time. <laughs>